The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bengals and Chicago Bears recap coming up on the Orange is the New Black podcast. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you, bro. It's it's uh, definitely the Bengals are coming off of a loss at one and one. Um, to the Chicago Bears, a very close loss, twenty to seventeen. Let's just let's just get into it immediately, Zim. What were just your thoughts, just from this game, and you know what are some of the things that I think led to this loss, and just some of your takeaways from this game? My biggest takeaway is that in the first game of the season, I was just telling you this off air. In the first game of the season, if you ever talk, if you talk to a Vikings fan, they're going to tell you about all the missed calls, all the different things that happen. Those are things that you're not even thinking about. You're like, I don't care. I, just, I won the game for the most part, right? There are some people I saw online that were saying, well, we got to do better at this. We got to do better at this. I alluded to some of the play calling stuff that I didn't like last week. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, I took my dub, right? Fast forward to this week. There's so many different things that we could point to. There's so many different things that we could kind of highlight. We're not going to have like an extremely long show today. But the main thing that happens that I tell everybody in every single game that we watch every single week, I'm watching other games uh, along with Bengals. And I suggest that other people watch other games as well. I say that to say this. At the end of the game, when it mattered the most, you could take everything out of the game that you want. When you go to 2015, I always say, if you don't fumble the football, you win the game. Everything else is null and void. It's the same concept every single week. We could talk about what we don't like. But when Fields had the ball and he had to make a play, third down, dead in the water, offense looking terrible, he stepped up and made the play that big quarterbacks do. And that happens every single week. You get the ball from that, 
momentum on our side, like I mean, in McPherson, at the very least, you're going to overtime. I think that's a. I think it's touchdown. We go. We went walk off two minutes. Two minutes and change to Joey B. Four downs, not three downs. Four downs on in on the next possession. And and the fact that they didn't make that play is that that's what it's about. Now we could talk about how did they get to that spot. Sure, and I think we'll get into that. But my overall takeaway take is Justin Fields made the two biggest plays of the game. When Logan Wilson could have got the ball, picked the ball up, and ran for the touchdown, Justin Fields took his hand out, knocked the ball out, takes takes those points off the board off the board. Because at that point, it would have been 10-7 Bengals with Justin Fields not, not feeling comfortable. He looked very bad in the pocket all game. That game is drastically different. Joe Mixon is running for five yards of carry. You have that ability to do that. He doesn't have it. So then Justin Fields at the end of the game makes the biggest play. He capitalizes on that. And so as a fan of football, I just tip my hat off to that. You know, I understand that, you know, Joe Burrow was, I think he had 10 knockdowns, uh, 10 quarterback hits, which is extremely too high. But when it mattered the most, the offensive line blocked for him when they had to on on the Higgins touchdown, on the Jamar Chase touchdown, and the momentum was going. After the game, just now, uh, Jamar Chase says everybody needs to get on the same page. And he's talking about the coaching staff. He's saying that everybody needs to get on the same page and we need to not take deep shots late. You went whole three quarters without making a, taking a shot to, to Jamar. The only shot they made was on a slant route. And then he, he also had the one uh, catch for 12 yards. But it's what I've been saying all along before this game was anything, is that the Bengals have to capitalize on first and second down, and they have to throw on those downs. I know it's a little bit unorthodox, but it puts you in this position where if you're willing to go for it on fourth down, you're going to live and die with the consequences of Joe Mixon, maybe or maybe not getting it. But you know a minimum of three yards on all of these runs. I thought the play calling throughout the game was pretty shoddy in a lot of spots. I didn't like the fact that on big third downs, they had Jamar Chase trying to block on the inside shoulder of uh, Eddie Jackson. This is a rookie wide receiver coming into the lake. You can't call a play and have your third down like that. Like you can't, the, the, the design of the play can't involve a wide receiver having a key block on a third down play. That's just not good play calling. You come back to another play. There's a lot of plays. That, that, was, my op- that was my opening rant, I guess. It's like that game was there to be had. A lot of people gave up on us, and I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I really thought it was a win. But I'm going to tell you, like, he he made – like, every fan needs to see this. Joe, do you think that my Vikings fans last week are saying, oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, he barely got the fourth down. I mean, like, nah, they're like, tip my hat. The dude made – he made a play on fourth down. So right. to, to understand football and understand the game, you could cry all you want. But all you people in the in the comment section, I can't see your tears for real. Only thing I know is wins and losses. When Justin Fields had the ball in his hands, this is the guy that's over there su- over there sobbing and, and crying his heart out and telling his wife, like, oh, man, we should, like, stop crying. Put your <laughs> head up. Put your head up and, and walk like a, guy, a, a damn man today because we're going to take our L and we're going to give credit where it's due in spots. We could criticize and we could talk about what didn't go our way. When Justin Fields had to make a play, he made a play. And that's what good football teams do. And that's that's my opening statement. 
<laughs> right. No, I'm I'm gonna piggyback and give kind of my my statement on on the game. But before I get into that, shout out to Rowdy Every Lap for the five dollar super chat. He says Zach was way too conservative for the first three quarters. So I'll just give my thoughts because I do hear um, a lot of criticism of the coaching staff, and I can see where people are coming from with that. But I'm just gonna be honest, like. That first half, the Bengals offense really only had three possessions. If you're going to criticize something, maybe it was the decision or the play call on fourth down, but they really left a lot of opportunity, I think, on the field, given that they didn't do much in the first half, right? So then you get into the second half, and that's where I think the turnovers happen. And, yes, I think play call, calling plays a part in it, but I think ultimately um, the NFL in this game, when you turn over the ball, you do not have a high percentage chance of winning um, in those games. And, and people can talk about that, but when you talk about the first pick that was thrown, or I don't know if it's the first or the second, the pick six to Roquan, I was watching that play, and I think Joe Burrow actually audibled into a completely different play. Um, just didn't happen to see Roquan there, and I think that those are just going to be bumps along the road that he's going to learn, right? I think that this is probably the worst game that I've seen from him since I think the Ravens game last season, I, I could I could say that. But the one thing that I will say is this is just something that he's going to have to learn from. Like, obviously, we kind of went into this game thinking, you know, this Bears defense was questionable and they came out playing like those roster names that we saw. Like we thought that they were going to have holes and be suspect, but they were able to come out and really uh, defend us very well. They were able to get pressure on the quarterback. They were able to play tight on our receivers. They just came out with a good game plan. They made plays when they happened, and you got to give them their credit. Uh, but I think if you're going to look at, you know, Zach and his staff, you have to also look at the quarterback as well for the turnovers in the game. You got to look at the offensive line for allowing those guys to crash in and get Joe Burrow's arm tipped at the line. And you just got to look at it from that point because I can't sit up on AFC North Talk and talk about Baker throwing a pick at the last minute and then just make up excuses for, for Joe Burrow. And I'm not going to do that. I don't think that this is who he is. I think that he's going to bounce back. Uh, but I think we have to look at if we start off slow, we can't afford turnovers. We have to avoid turnovers. And I think that that's honestly a tough ask. So what cures that? I think an offense that consistently scores and helps after defense. Uh, but – you know, the Bengals weren't able to do that today. They did end up making it close. I think the defense stepped it up. And I still think even if the offense gets it back, because Joe Burrow comes back, he gets his confidence back, he gets two touchdowns. I completely believe that if we would have gotten the ball back in that situation, that we were to either force overtime or win that game. Like I had no loss in confidence when it came to Burrow in that situation, because I think that would have obviously forced it into our hands. So some people can talk about, well, if Zach didn't didn't call this timeout, I disagree with the call as well, but I can't sit up there and say that he was wrong for it because if Joe Burrow, if Trey Henderson makes that tackle and Joe Burrow gets the ball, it's a done deal. So everyone is always going to talk about when, it, when things go bad and, and the wrong things happen, how that happens. But, you know, I can't really disagree with that. And to me, it was just too little too late. I mean, it was a miracle that we were in that game. At the end, we got some Logan Wilson after not picking up the fumble. I yelled at him, too, to jump on the fumble, but he doesn't do that. But then he comes back at the end of the game and makes a pick at the end to put you in position to even win that game. Uh, but the one thing that I will say is obviously some things that need work. The offensive line, there seemed to be some miscommunications between Xavier Suofilo, 
um, and Riley Reef on on pickups and, and things like that. And then Riley, I mean, not Riley Reef, but Jonah Williams, I remember, um, got faked out on one play and a guy came in for a sack. They've got to protect Burrow a lot better. They got to keep his jersey clean. And, and Joe Burrow has to make, I guess, plays that aren't going to damage this offense. Like it kind of works in both ways. Once he starts to get pressure or if he makes mistakes, it kind of creates a snowballing effect. And like Jamar Chase is saying, we all have to get on the same page. I will say, like Zim said, they should have taken some deep some deep shots more often, I think, in this game. I don't think they had too many opportunities to in the first half. I remember one being a miss to T. Higgins, which I feel like Joe placed it a little bit to his left, but they gotta they've gotta be able to take more deep shots. I definitely agree with that more often in the game because you see uh Jamar Chase adjusts to one, catches the touchdown, and it's just pretty easy. Right. Um now we'll have to see where they go next week, but these are situations that Good teams find a way to win. I don't care about any of everything that happened. As long as you come out of that game with a win, that's all that matters. That's all the NFL is going to care about. Um, so we'll have to see next week if they can bounce back. But these are going to be games that they have to be able to rise to the occasion and win. I, I know you're saying you don't care about, you know, um, you know, like I'm like that to a certain extent, mm-hmm. like the realest and the purest of football, like right. just watching enough football, I get, I get it. But where do you think that the Bengals really feel short at today? Like, if you could list, like, your top three, what are your main things? Because to me, I feel like most of it was all self-inflicted. I think for for me, I think where they fell short in this game, I would say uh, offensively, the turnovers, I think that that's where they fell short, including the T. Higgins one. Um, I think as well – the offensive line in terms of the protection of Joe Burrow being more consistent, they kind of let that affect the game. Um, and then the third, I guess, is the the lack of deep shots taken during the game. I think right. it does. You throw a play calling thing in there as far as, you know, how aggressive that they were. And it just was a weird game. Like the offense right. never really got in the rhythm. You had points where Joe Mixon was only getting a couple yards, then he was getting seven yards, and then they went away from it. It was just kind of all over the place. Um, and some kind of organized confusion of the offense. It was, to me, in a, in a sense, the complete opposite of the defense. The defense just seemed like everybody was communicating, everyone was on the same page. Even when they were put in tough situations, they still stood up, and I just didn't see that from the offense. So if I had to give three, those would be mine. My, mine would be very – they kind of mirror yours. It's the same thing, and, I, and I'm glad they brought our boy Chris Evans in there. The, some of the same things and the same yeah. mistakes that happened in the first game – a lot of casual, and I was telling people that in my live. I know if you guys don't know, Ace does a live here on YouTube, same channel, New Stripe City. So please make sure y'all check that out on Sundays. Um, the one thing that I was saying is like people were like, "This offensive line is terrible." The offensive line was not great. I don't care what the scores and everything says on it. The offensive line gave Joe some pretty good pockets in, in some key spots. Now later in the game, he was very uncomfortable, and the, and the line failed him. But for the more majority of the game, I thought that they blocked as good enough as what they did. I mean, what they needed to do. But the problem was the miscommunication on blitz pickups showed his head again, again today, like in the same exact uh, manner. I'm before the play. I'm looking at. I'm like. I'm asking on on two of the plays. I think it's the third down one where Mixon doesn't pick up the guy. It's Spain and Xavier together, or no, it's Spain. And uh, and Jonah together, they give up a sack. But it's clear before the play, the numbers aren't there. 
if Joe doesn't do anything to audible or get the plays up, that's like a third. It's a big third down, like in I think second quarter. But there's a lot of that coming up, like three different times in the game where they're failing to communicate. It's not just guys getting sheer beat out one on one. Now later in the game, around a three pick time, yeah, pressure in his face. He's 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 throwing it out of desperation. That's a desperation throw. Bad pocket, offensive line, federal. So those are the two things, but they're all on the offensive line. Because at the end of the day, I always come back to this. The defense balled out. The defense looks so much different, and you look at this game so much different if the Bengals just have any type of points on the board. They dominated them at the line of scrimmage. Montgomery probably ran for 3.5 a carry. Made it, like, absolutely dominated them. It would have been even less because if you get them in a position where you know that they have to pass, like – the game is over. If if right. Wilson picks that ball up and goes 10-7, just 10-7 against them dudes, Allen Robinson is their only legit threat that you just have to figure out something like, what do you want to do once you saw Montgomery up front? And that was done. And Zach not being aggressive is going to be my third one. And it's not even like being aggressive to the point like, I just want you to air it out, air it out. No. This is a concept that happened in my mind, I guess, and I'm just hoping that it comes to fruition in real life. When we drafted Jamar Chase, we drafted him to call plays in an, or- in an unorthodox sequence. Pay attention to, like, your grandfather's grandfather and your mom, grandmom, and all them people told us, first down, second down, run the football. Be- that's how you, you, know, you win football games is run the football. Running the football – is in 2021 is not just running the football on first down and being super predictable. It's going play action first down when you when the when the game is close and the defense and the defensive edges uh like Khalil Mack have to figure out what do you want to do. They don't know that you're going to throw the ball. He messes up third uh fourth quarter. We're still going to play action at that point. He's trying to go play action first down. You can't do that in the fourth quarter because they know that you're throwing the football. So all you're doing is taking away time off your drop back. Your your drop back time went from three seconds now to 2.2 seconds because now you're doing play actions at bad times. That's where Zach Taylor has to know, like, come on. Like, these aren't first graders out here. This isn't Little League football in that regard. So he's got to understand, like, the situation. The big third down calls, you can't, like I said earlier, you can't have wide receivers coming down the line with key blocks. If that's going to be that way, make sample that person. But it can't be a a play design with that. And later in the game, even the Higgins out route, I hate the fact that they're not smart enough to say, let's scheme a guy open or figure out a pick play or something like that to get a guy out open in space and make him make a play. And they're relying on Higgins to do a three and out. And then, and so the guy sitting on it in a zone, Joe Burrow's throwing it because he knows, like, I trust Higgins and I'm going to do that. But the, the coordinator, it's the coach's job to make sure that Higgins is in a position where Joe isn't putting his faith out on the line. That pick is just a faith throw. He's like, I know I'm going to beat him. The guy holds the hell out of Higgins or whatever. And it is what it is. Oh, on the third down that he didn't get, the guy holds him. But on the other one, he just reads it because he's already in the zone. It's not man coverage. So Joe has to know that when he throws it, but he's going out on the limb. And the coaches need to aid him in that in that process because Andy Reid doesn't just do that play right there. Like, you know, that's that's the difference between good play calling and bad calling. And and those are those are like my three points. I don't know if I made those like really clear, but when right. we grabbed the Jamar Chase, it's because we're gonna do things in an unorthodox sequence. 
You still mm-hmm. run the football a lot. You just run right. the football on second and third because you're willing to go for it on fourth down anyway. Right. And that's the way the Bengals are constructed. You can't deviate from that on Sunday. No, I'm with you. I think uh, – so on the play calling thing, I was – the the second pick I think it was where Jalen Johnson is sitting on that route. That is definitely, I think, where play calling comes into play because I remember them trying that earlier in the game, and I was like, it wasn't there. There was no separation, and you kind of went back to it again. So I, I get that one. Another play that I wanted to bring up because you talked about a pick play. There was a play early in the game – uh, where I believe it was a click play. The receiver went inside. CJ Uzoma went up the, the side of the field, and Joe Burrow missed, missed CJ Uzoma running wide open. It looked like CJ Uzoma probably would have scored a touchdown. Like the broadcast I was watching, they were just like, whoever was on the Bears blew that assignment, and they both went inside on that receiver. And CJ Uzoma was just running like wide open down the end of the, the end of the same. So, they just got to get on the same page. I agree with the play calling. There were certain things where I was like, well, Jalen Johnson probably knows this route because you guys keep running it. And he just was waiting for the opportunity to just kind of pick it off. And they're just like, like you said, Zim, they got to get on the same page as far as the offensive line, Joe Burrow, and the play calling. If they can get that together, then they can avoid games like this. And it's probably going to take some getting used to some chemistry, but they got to take those deep shots. They got to do what they can to try to extend plays and put up points in this league because this is a game of points. I got another super chat here. I know we've had a lot of them. I'm not able to show all of them. Um, I haven't been able to show them. I haven't been able to address them because I didn't want to. To interrupt anything, right? Um, but we'll do a quick runoff. Um, the investment in the defense paid off. The only reason we were in that game, sure. this offense scoring twice out of how many drives? Burrow's worst game, and the O line was horrible. This game was the offense's fault. Period is what we got from my man. I think that's Jigsaw thirteen. I had another one, Brandon Monroe. He says that Joey B and Higgins will play angry next week. Appreciate that. I agree. Um, Rowdy, every lap. Appreciate you as well, bro. After two games, it's hard to imagine that Jackson Carmen being any worse than Xavier Suofilo has been at pass blocking. I got we'll to see the tape. I got. We got to see the tape. I, I did see, see where where Xavier Suofilo messed up. A lot um, of people was talking about he whiffed on a couple blocks, and I just like I saw two different sacks that were really bad, but it was like miscommunication. Right. And it, it's like it's a guy coming, a blitz coming, and the guy's picking up, and they're just picking up the wrong guy. That happened yeah. three. That happened three more times today. And it was something where you know I'm hoping that the other teams don't see it. But one of the plays that I remember was like the outside guy. I think it was Khalil Mack. He faked like he was going like outside, then came inside. Xavier didn't pick him up, and then he runs right into Burrow. And the same thing happened to Jonah on the left side. The dude did the same thing. He acted like he was going out, right. came in, um, and, you know, that really confused him. But I, it's it's just really crazy. Like, Jamar Chase had some strong comments after this. I don't know if you've seen any of these tweets. No, but, let's talk about it. But he was saying, you know, like, I, I'll pull up one of them. But for the most part, he was saying, I'm gonna, this is a really confident com, uh, comment. He said, because um, you remember the other play where he beat the guy easily at the line of scrimmage and it was a yeah. touchdown and Joe Burrow throws it out of bounds. That's a terrible throw by uh, Joe Burrow. That's another six points right there. Right. But he said, we waited, I quote, we waited until the last minute to take shots. Said the communication has to be better offensively. 
He also said uh, he beat the corner off the line. I don't know if he said all game or uh, is misquoted, but he said he beat the corner off the line per usual, you know, and, and, and I end quote. And I'm only saying that to say this. He's seeing what I'm seeing early in football games. And, and they have to get together and say, look, we need to come out of these games strong. And, 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 and being strong sometimes isn't just taking deep, deep shots on fly patterns. It's double moves early. It's different things just to put the fear into in some of these defenses. And at the end of this show today, we're going to talk about the Steelers a little bit. But it's it's being aggressive with your play calling early on and not being so conservative. And what happens is you get a lead. And I wish I wish Zach could see this. I hope he sees this. I hope somebody on the staff sees this. You get a lead with these guys, and they and, and Mixon's running like the way that he's running right now. You end up running thirty times a game because you then have a lead. But if you try to come out and say, "I'm gonna run the football down your throat," I'm gonna run the football down your throat, and is there's nothing creative about it. Joe Mixon could run great five yards a carry, but then he gets stuffed on third down. Now you put yourself in these bad third down situations. Before you know it, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Mixon's got 80, 90 yards. 20 carries or something like that. It looks pretty good, but it didn't do anything because you didn't move the chains on third down. And then you limited yourself. The whole first quarter was all predicated on the same thing that they did the last game. They tried to run too much and they tried to run early and early in the, in the, in the chains. And you can't do that with this, with this personnel. They have to go up on people or at least put fear in people and move the ball down the field on people. And what it'll do, and they'll see this, is that it's going to put them in a position later in the game, like third and fourth quarter, say that game's tied. Joe Mixon is going to take over, and it's going to be like 30 carries. He's going to go crazy, but they can't see it yet because they're coming out and saying, let's help Joe Burrow out. You want to know how you can help Joe Burrow out? Let him get some of that deep stuff early. Let him get some of them deep things out of his thing. So he's just he's locked in. Get him some easy stuff early on to give him the ball, like get him some completions early so he sees that, keeps the, de- the defense honest. Then later in the game, the, the defense going to hold you down. We get down to the end of this bad boy, I'm telling you, Joe Mixon mm-hmm. going to wear people out because the defense then at, at that point is still like, well, we don't know if they're going to throw or pass. Now right. the play action now makes sense. Right. Right now. Now the play action makes sense on second down late in the game. But you can't do that down 14, 17 points. What are you thinking, son? That's what I want to tell Zach. I hope he's watching. It's like, what are you thinking? The I'm, one thing, the like, one thing on, too, bro. was how many targets did, did DeMar Chase even have? Like, I felt like after he made the third down play, it wasn't until T. Higgins goes out of the game that he's targeted again. And I think yeah. that that was another mistake, like, Jamar Chase needs to be a part of this game plan. They're saying that the game is close. I know what they're thinking, and I wish I could channel. That's why I tell people to get in this damn block, get in these lives, and be positive because I swear to goodness, I just need to channel this energy. Somebody in here going to watch this (laughs) that knows Zach Taylor, and he's going to say, like, I know what he wants to do. The game is within reach. There's no reason. He's thinking. This is what he's thinking. The game's within reach. I have no reason to just air it out. Yes, you do. You need to get up on people and keep them honest and scare the living daylights out of them. The Bears right. don't want no smoke with none of the amigos. They don't want none of that. You make their job so easy. So then all they got to do is make plays on third down. Make them make plays on first down and scare the living daylights out of them so they think twice about coming up to run and run support on mixing. That's the key to everything this whole season. 
And then you'll end up getting run plays. And then you'll have extension of the run game by dumping it off the mixing. There was critical points in this game. Mixing, Joe Burrow needs to take mixing out in the in the flat, and he doesn't do it. You know, right. like he he's like Chris he's Evans, done. man. Chris, Chris Evans. Chris Evans is that. the key to everything, too. Chris Evans is Chris, a major key. Chris Evans, I definitely agree with you. Chris Evans is a major key. He could have been used on the screen. The one play I saw Chris Evans in, he almost got a first down. He had like a crazy, like, I think it was a reception or something like that. He almost gets the first down. You got to add Chris Evans to this dimension and make the uh, the defense account for him because if you have somebody in the flats, what if that's Chris Evans in the flat instead of P. Ryan when Joe ends up not going with his first read and going to him? Those are those are things that they got to get together, and I think they got to utilize this roster in, in more ways than one and bring in Chris Evans in, I think, just as another dynamic that gets the the defense nervous, and he's a home run hitter. He can go out there and run routes. Like to be honest, I'm not hating on you know him having Joe Mixon out there at, at receiver, but that's you literally have a guy that can do that in Chris Evans as well. You can have both of those guys on the field at the same time if you wanted to. He, he aids Joe Burrow out just as much. He Chris Evans is the anchor to making this whole thing pop. They cannot be afraid to make this thing happen. I know he's a rookie. I think they're wanting to trust P. Ryan and run some, I mean, in pass support. But what has P. Ryan done in these first two games? He's whiffed on a couple of blitz protections and caused Joe Burrow to get hit. So once you know that, you say, okay, well, I have a better athlete right here in Chris Evans. What does Chris Evans represent? Chris Evans represents the liaison point to make sure that Joe Mixon doesn't get ran into the ground by the time that we're trying to make a playoff run. You keep him fresh by giving Chris Evans five to six carries a game. Uh, uh, any of the pass plays, boom. If he could just pass protect, when we interviewed him on it, I said, the only thing you got to do, bro, is work on your pass protection because as a runner, you're already far and above, like being super dynamic above Piran. Piran right. offers this team nothing if the game isn't like in a wear down situation. Like if he, if he's not if he's going to be whipping on pass protection, and what else does Chris Evans do? He gives uh, Joe Burrow a, a, another point of contact to say, "I'm going to dump off to you. You're going to be my emergency guy, and I don't have to go on these deep dropbacks and go make and feel like I have to make a play all down the field." But Chris Evans has to come out there and 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 they got to leak him out, wheel routes, different things like that, and get him involved in the pass game and make defense fear him because he's a big time weapon. There is not any other football team in the National Football League right now. I'm watching running backs just pop up on fantasy out of nowhere. You know, like these guys are getting utilized. Zach and them cannot be afraid to utilize talent. We know talent. When Chris Evans got his snaps out there today, he made it do what it do. One so reception you, for 14 yards. That so was what the only you, reception. That's all you need to see. Go If P. Ryan isn't doing what he's got to do in pass protection, there's no reason that he should be out there spelling Joe. Joe Chris Evans is the reason how Joe Mixon is going to stay fresh, and he's also an extension of a run game, and he's also the reason why you don't have to put Joe Burrow in arm's way. If the pass rush wants to come, cool. I'm going to let Chris, Chris Evans leak out, and I'm going to take my shot one-on-one every time with him. And then when you want to come out there to do that, now all of my wide receivers are open this is simple this is this is this is um peewee football stuff here this isn't like i'm some genius this right. is regular stuff your best players have to play so that's why people come in the comments now they're saying well let's get xavier sula feel all day and carmen i don't know I, I need to see the tape but i do know that carmen athletically and size-wise offers a lot more so if xavier sula isn't doing what he's got to do 
then it is what it is. And you, you might have to take that next step coming up. I don't know that right. yet. Nah, but I just want to get some props before, because I know we talked about the offense a lot. I want to get a defense credit with the words due. You had Sam Hubbard with a half a sack. You had Trey Hendrickson with a monster game, one and a half sacks. DJ Reader with a sack as well. You had Logan Wilson with the interception. Um, Cheeto had a big play after giving up a big play, big play. against Allen Robinson where big he play. stops him from making the catch in the end zone to put them up. Just shout out to the to the Bengals defense and Lou Anaromo. I know a lot of people talked about Lou, myself included at some points. I've been up and down on Lou, but have talked about you know, Lou, Lou doing his thing. I think two games in, I think he's done a great job. I think the defense looks good. They're definitely getting some rush. Now, one thing I will say early in the game, I didn't see the pass rush. And then pass rush was non-existent. Out, of, out of nowhere, they just turned it on and That's were able it. to make back-to-back plays. So shout out to that defense. The D was outstanding, bro. It was the the, the D was spectacular, bro. Like they were if, if that team, if the Bengals are up in that game, I think you see the sacks and stuff, but without right. A Miles Garrett level talent, you're not going to get that from down 17 points. That's the that's the part that I I just I just watch. We watch football too much, bro. Like we know, like people <laughs> like people don't understand what we're saying. Like you know, what I'm saying like you need a Miles Garrett level talent if you want to wreck a game like that. The only other way you can wreck a game like that is to make the opposition pass the ball and be clear as day that they're passing the ball. If they're right. playing with a lead. The edge can't cheat in. He can't cut in like that because what is Montgomery going to do? He's going to bounce it out and go house on you. So you right. can't do that. But you, if you get them down, you get Dalton down, I get Phil's down, I feast. Right. But that's that's what scoring points does, and I just want people to understand. No, and, they, and, they're telling, and they're telling me I got to pause the D, so I'm going to pause the D. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. That's all good. Well, next week we're taking on the Steelers, so me and Zimba – Come see you guys with a pregame sometime this week. Uh, TJ Watt, something to monitor. TJ Watt exited that game with the groin injury. One to three weeks. So that could be huge for the He's Bengals. He's not playing next week. He's out. That means him and Stefan Tua could be out. Bengals got to take advantage. Joe, and, Joe and Hayden, Joe Hayden out too. Joe Hayden too. Okay, so yeah. No excuses next week. Hopefully, we'll have to see once the injury reports come out. Hopefully, nobody on the Bengals is nursing any any injuries or anything like that. Um, Trey Waynes, it'd be interesting to see whether he's going to be in or not. I could think of a couple of players where Trey Waynes, if he was there, could have potentially changed. I, I don't want to be the hood of, the woulda, shoulda, coulda guy. But you just have to be thinking in your mind when you see guys miss tackles right. that Trey Waynes probably could have done something there. So we'll have to see. There's going to be a lot of that. We're going to be saying that about outside. And it, like if this pass right, like they, the Bengals have to get a lead. Hendrickson is a very good player. Hubbard is right. a very good player. But they right. don't offer what I'm looking for from the edge position unless I have a lead. I need freaks. I need right. people that's going to go out there and do something crazy, and that's not going to happen. But like I said, I just want to close out my last statement. You can say whatever you want to say. At the end of the day, it's not a woulda, coulda, shoulda. You're just, you're just saying the different points on different things that we we probably need to get better at that spot. That The, the pass rush has to get better. Hodge has to show up. Like, what did you do all that in the preseason? You're not showing up now. So th- th- there are different things that have to happen. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't care what happened throughout this game. Y'all could – Try to complain about all you want. The same thing I led with when I started this game. I'm going to tip my hat off to Justin Fields because I thought I had him dead in the water. I thought he was over. And big football players, I don't know what he'll be in the National Football League. 
but he got my respect from the standpoint of when it was time to make a play, he made a play. Just like Joe Burrow made a play last last week, none of the Vikings fans are saying, oh, well, I mean, you were lucky to get a like, No, nah, it doesn't matter. I made a play when it was time to make a play on that fourth down. Justin Fields did that today, and I can't take that away from him. There was nothing foul, dirty about it. It is what it is, and he won the game. And you come back next week and you adjust and you make all the different things that you didn't do well on. You come back and you better yourself in play calling probably being number one or somebody passwords being another one, like all these different things. But at the end of the day, you know, and everybody in here knows if we would have got the ball back, that's a dub. We didn't get the ball back. The defense balled out for the one big stop that they had to make. They didn't make. And, and, and that's just a better, better offensive play in my mind, in my mind. No, so. that's real. So real quick, shout out to Midwest Best Barbecue. If you were able to stop by there today and get one of those tailgate packs, I'm pretty sure that didn't make your day better, but it at least made the food taste better. So definitely be sure to check them out. Midwest Best Barbecue. They're located in Loveland. Yeah, we need some now. Me and Zim didn't eat before. I'm running on um, fumes. During these games. So yeah, I might have to slide some of that Midwest Best Barbecue on something tonight for dinner. Uh, but once again, guys, we appreciate you. We're going to come back later this week with um, a Steelers game preview. What a Steelers dub. Here it and comes. It's officially Steelers week. So Here we gotta, it comes. A dub. We got to end it with a yes. Sirski. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in 